Hey, good morning, friends. I hate cutting this stuff off. I just saw somebody give somebody else like one of those uh, family cards that has all their pictures on it. I've never seen anybody so excited about receiving one of those. It warmed my heart. And I see some deep conversations and connecting. It's so good to be together. I'm Justin. Like Pete said, I'm one of the pastors here. I got to play some guitar this morning and also preach, which is great. It's a lot of fun. Um, happy Sunday. Happy Advent. This is the weeks leading up to Christmas. And there's a lot of stuff that comes along with our Christmas traditions. And I love most of them, I would say. And there are some I'm not very excited about. Let's figure out what we have in the room here among us. I'm going to give you some options. Probably a mix of these things. Who here loves the gift-giving part of Christmas? All right? Yes, the uh, searching for gifts endlessly. The buying of them and the wrapping of them. I hate wrapping gifts. See? I need you, right? No? Are you, you like the wrap? All right, we're going to talk later. I hate it. It's my least favorite thing. Uh, and then there's the gift receiving part. Who likes that part, favorite part? Okay, well, we got a lot of people. When you open the gift and you are the center of attention and everyone's looking at you, I always look around for the introverts when I say something like that. Yes, I'm, I'm, I see you. I see you. Not everybody loves that. Then there's the don't look at somebody when I say this, okay? I'm giving you warning. The family part, okay? Being with family, being away from family, missing family. We can have mixed experiences and impressions of that, right? And then there is the songs part. This is love-hate for me. Um, I really love carols. I'm so glad that we get to sing carols, you know, during the Christmas season. Um, but I especially dislike two Christmas songs that I hear a lot during the Christmas season. The first one is that Mariah Carey song. All I want for Christmas is you. Now, I'm wondering whether, I don't know if Brad Kramer's here around, but I'm hoping he's not leaving our church because I just said that. I know that that's his favorite thing, but it's good that we can both be in the same church family together because of Jesus, right? I hate that Mariah Carey song. All I want for Christmas is, is you. Um, and then there's the George Michael one, which it's, that's a cover. Um, when he says, last Christmas I gave you my heart, and then the very next day, you get, I think he even says you threw it away, right? I, you know, I've heard different versions of this song. Anyway, and so next year, he's already planning, right? So I don't know what he's going to do between the day after Christmas and the whole year ahead, but he's got a plan. The next Christmas, he's giving his heart to someone special who won't ever hurt him. Good luck, George. Okay. <laughs> I think that the little drummer boy should just drum, 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 drummy those songs right into the ground, and we should never hear them again, because the drummer boy is awesome, okay? So in our Advent series this year, we're focusing on Christmas films, and last week, Pete did a great job with A Charlie Brown Christmas, and we were reminded of God's heart and promise for the whole world that comes from the book of Isaiah, and I'm going to remind us of it. It's in Isaiah 9, and it says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. So that was the promise that was made before Jesus arrived, and that promise is fulfilled in Jesus. He's come for everyone, whether we like hearing Mariah Carey near Christmas or not, right? I've been uh, praying that we'd experience Jesus coming and meeting us today. So maybe we could just ask God to do that together for a moment. Uh, Jesus, thank you for your presence here among us, even, even as we've sung and worshiped together. And we ask God that you would especially 
um, help us receive something good from you today. We welcome you. And we say, do your work among us. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. This week's selection for the film comes from one of the earliest Christian traditions that I personally can recall. Uh, when I was young, my family would drive all the way from Thief River Falls, way up north where I was born, to Minneapolis, and we would visit our friends, the Diebolds. The Diebolds happened to have one of the very first VCRs, which allowed you to, get this, prepare yourself, watch a show, hit a button, and record that show, and then you could go back and watch it anytime you want. <laughs> Technology. I had never seen anything like it, believe it or not. That's, I'm old enough to not have ever seen that before, okay? It was even the beta version. It was beta tapes. It wasn't even VHS, okay? Um, so when we were talking about films that we associate with Christmas, the, there were two TV specials and instantly that came into my mind that I was so excited about watching when I would go to the D-Bolds. And it's so weird to think that I was like, we're going to get to the D-Bolds and I'm going to be able to watch this one show because it's the only place that I can find it, right? It's like a treasure waiting for me. It's recorded and waiting. And the first one that came to mind was, uh, it's not Christmas, uh, it's, it's Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. And um, it's, it's a 1978 sci-fi film in which the band Kiss, there are the actors in it. It's like, it's not even a cartoon. They're actually acting in it. And they use their superpowers to battle an evil genius and save the people in an amusement park from destruction. The members of Kiss hated this film so much that apparently people were not allowed to talk about it with them for years after the fact. It was super weird. I loved it, though. That, that was, if I'm being honest, my favorite thing about going to the Diebolds, okay? And so um, that felt like not a good one to choose to preach on today. Um, the one that I am going to choose is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now, this is the 1966 animated TV special, and it's based on the 1957 children's book by Tom Giesel, uh, also known as Dr. Seuss, right? Tells the story of the Grinch, who tries to ruin Christmas for the townsfolk of Whoville. Features the voice of Boris Karloff. He was uh, Frankenstein, you know, Bride of Frankenstein kind of stuff. And he's, also, he's the Grinch, and he's also the narrator in this. And he won, Boris won a Grammy for this. It's awesome. He does a great job. It's a quick 25 minutes, longer than, I thought it was actually much longer, because I was watching it as a little kid. It's awesome visual art, and it's got a great message. And now, I have to be honest. When I blurted out how the Grinch stole Christmas at the staff table that day, it was just because it was my favorite Christmas thing that I could remember, and then I realized that I was going to have to preach on it. <laughs> and so I had to ask myself some questions. Questions like, can we see ourselves in how the Grinch stole Christmas? That's a good question to ask. Even better question, can we see God anywhere? in How the Grinch Stole Christmas? And if those things happen to be true, how is God inviting us to respond? So those are the questions that we're going to try to answer today. And we're going to let the actual uh, cartoon itself do much of the talking today, okay? 
Um, on, on YouTube, we found clips, and we have to kind of splice them together. If you're at home, I think we're going to mute it so that you can't hear it, but there's going to be a link. But there's a little bit of splicing because we had to do a little bit of stuff. But this is near the very, very uh, beginning of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and we're going to watch. in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Oh, please don't ask why, no one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. They're tarting clothes. They'll blow their hoo-hoovers, they'll bang their gar-tinkers. And this is what's happening on Christmas morning. He knows it's coming. They'll beat their blum bloopers. They'll wham their hoo-wonkers. And they'll play noisy games like Zuzita Kaze, a roller skate type of lacrosse and croquet. And then they'll make ear-splitting noises to looks on their great big electro hoo looks. Then the who's young and old will sit down to a feast. And they'll feast, and they'll feast, and they'll feast, 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 feast. They'll feast on who pudding and rare who roast beast. Raw roast beast is a feast I can't stand in the least. Something I hate most of all. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, will stand close together with Christmas bells ringing. 
stand hand in hand, and those fools will start singing. First question, where might we see ourselves in, in that section? If you just picture that back, is there anything that might have seemed familiar to you in your life? Here are some options. We might see ourselves in the Grinch. <gasps> he grumbles and he resents people's fun. He doesn't like their celebration. He hates the noise, the games, the feasting, and especially the singing. And so his main goal is to stop the whole celebration. Now, we don't know exactly how the Grinch got so hateful, uh, but it's clear he's come to despise all the stuff that they have and their loving community. He hates the gifts, he hates the parties, he hates the meals, he hates the singing together. Do you think the color that was chosen for him, the color green, is a coincidence. Perhaps we're being told that below it all, he's envious. All envy, if we follow it far enough if, and not deal with it, it eventually becomes hate, doesn't it? It eventually wants other people not to have stuff that we don't have. The Grinch is unable to do what the Bible tells us to do in Romans 12. We're told to be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep, right? Another translation says, laugh with those who laugh and mourn with those who mourn. That was the way that I learned it. The Grinch mourns that these people are happy. And he laughs at the thought of them mourning. And so he's actually seeking to make other people suffer so he can laugh at them. Now, the Grinch is a cartoon, but he's a pretty good picture of the one the Bible calls your great enemy. It's described in 1 Peter 5. We're told, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. I think it's interesting it's not God's great enemy necessarily right here in this phrasing. Your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In other words... He's looking around for something or somebody to destroy, right? The Grinch is a pretty good picture of how the devil feels about you and how the devil wants you to feel about other people. That's his whole plan, basically. 
That said, most of us probably kind of like the Grinch in a way. I know I do. I think he's, I kind of like him. He's sort of, I was talking to somebody in between services, and he actually said, I keep on watching it, and, you know, you're, we're going to spoil what happens in this thing, so don't worry about, I mean, that's just going to happen, right? But he's like, he's like, every year I want the Grinch to pull it off. <laughs> right? And so we just joked about it. But there's a little bit, I mean, in a little bit, there's a little bit of rooting in me. That's why it's good writing, isn't it? Like, it's not super simple what you want to have happen here. Um, might it be because we also notice the stuff he's upset about? That Chris, Christmas can seem like it's only and just about stuff? To the point that it just feels frantic? And like it's asking and demanding things of you to the point where maybe we don't even want to have it? Or like you're a failure if you didn't get a Lexus and put it in the driveway in your perfect neighborhood for your significant other to come out and see the bow that you somehow found and stuck on top, right? You know, and then, you know, all your, all your children, you know, exult and you drive around in your neighborhood knowing how you're the most amazing loving person because you bought somebody a car. Other than that, failure. You didn't do Christmas right. That's annoying. That really bugs me. I hate that commercial more than the Mariah Carey song. <laughs> and in our everyday lives, don't we get um, so impatient sometimes? Don't we get envious sometimes? Do we ever get so mad that we want everything that's not our preference in that moment to stop immediately? I think in the Grinch, we can see a bit of ourselves. And I think we can also see something that's good for us to know. Sometimes we, even we, good people, can be more like our enemy described in the scripture than we are like the God that we follow. It happens sometimes, doesn't it? Where else might we see ourselves? Maybe in the Grinch's dog. Did you notice the dog? Yeah. To me... I think the dog might be the most interesting character in the whole thing. Did you notice how complicated his situation is? He obviously loves and is loyal to the Grinch. He belongs to the Grinch, right? And did you see how quickly he sees, you know, he's, he's listening to the Grinch talk about all the things that are going to happen on Christmas morning, and he's just, oh, it's wonderful, right? Until he notices the Grinch, right? He sees other people's happiness, and he enjoys it, but he's with somebody who does not. Did you notice the fear that he has of the Grinch's anger? The Grinch's dog touches my heart because he is stuck in the middle, isn't he? Now, there have been times in my life where I have been too fearful to be myself. Have you ever been too fearful to be yourself? I have feared rejection or saying something that's going to damage a relationship so much that it ends and it's going to feel like it's all my fault, right? Now, we recently hosted uh, a thing called Emotionally Focused, like a weekend that starts the process of Emotionally Focused here at River Heights. Um, I will just say out loud that that is one of the main things going through that for about nine months um, that helped me in this area. I am so grateful for that. With God's help and things like that, I've actually seen change and have experienced, you know, freedom. But I can still feel tense on days, um, 
when relational situations are difficult. Did you know that that's a large part of my job? You don't always do what I'd like you to do. And sometimes I think maybe God would like you to do something different. And sometimes you're not getting along all that well, right? I'm so grateful that we have an answer and we have a place to work these things out together. But sometimes it's hard, you know? I'm sure you have your own versions of those things in your family, in your life, in your work. I think in that sweet God, we can see a bit of ourselves. Most of us have unrealized hopes for people we love, don't we? Things we'd still like to see happen. Um, most of us have some sort of fear in our relationship somewhere. And most of us, at some time or another, can be or can feel stuck. Last, we might see ourselves in the who's. They welcome Christmas. They prepare for it. And when it comes, they play games. They have a huge meal. They sing together. They have a simple joy. They're actually a really good picture of loving community. So now I have a question. Actually, three questions for you right now, okay? Do you know a person who's like a Grinch in your life? Don't say that person's name out loud, okay? That's the first thing I actually want you to think about. Does God bring somebody to your mind right now? Because God might actually be uh, communicating to you right now. Do you know a Grinch? Here's the question that's maybe a little bit harder. When have you been like a Grinch? Or are you like a Grinch? Pay attention to that place, okay? Second question. Do you know a person who's like the Grinch's dog? They're stuck. They're afraid. And when have you been like the Grinch's dog? When have you been stuck? When are you afraid? You might know where this next one is going. Do you know people who are like the Who's? People of joy. I think that we're like the Who's on a good day. Next question is, when have you been like the Who's? If you can't think of anything, you can come and ask me because I can tell you some stuff, okay? But when have you been like the who's? I just want you to hold on to what you notice most right now because we're actually going to come back to it, okay? And I'm going to tell you and we're going to show you uh, what happens for most of the rest of the film, okay? Um, I think you're going to see on this next clip that the Grinch is going on a long rant about all the ways the Who's will make noise, 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 and celebrate the next day, right? Including like that Zuzetta Carze <laughs> roller skate type of lacrosse and croquet, which is probably my favorite line in the whole thing, all right? And he hates the feast, 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 right? And he decides that he's going to stop it, right? How he decides to stop it is that he dresses up on Christmas Eve like Santa, and he puts antlers on his dog that he has to cut down because they're too big. And they go down the mountain, and the Grinch steals everything. He steals all the gifts that are waiting. He steals all the decorations. He takes all the food, and he packs it into bags on his sled, 
and then he starts taking it back up the mountain, okay? And I think that's where we're going to pick it up. He's going to then, what's he going to wait for? He's going to wait for the who's to mourn, right? Uh, something different happens than that. So let's see what happens. feet up. Up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rolled with his load to the tip-top to dump it. He was grinchily humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the Who's down in Whoville will all cry, Boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. He paused. And the Grinch put a hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow. sounded glad. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch with his Grinch feet Ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzle was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more.
what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And then, the true meaning of Christmas came through, and the Grinch found the strength of ten Grinches, plus two. And now that his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light. With a smile in his soul, he descended Mount Comfort, cheerily blowing hoo-hoo on his trumpet. He rode into Whoville, he brought back their toys, he brought back their floof to the Who girls and boys. He brought back their snoop and their tringlers and fuzzles, brought back their pantukas, their dafflers and wuzzles. He brought everything back, all the food for the feast. And he, he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. Welcome, Christmas. Bring your cheer. Cheer to all who's far and near. Christmas Day is in our grasp, so long as we have hands to clasp. Christmas Day will always be just as long. We have we. Welcome Christmas while we stand, heart to heart and hand in hand. I love that. As you watched that, did you notice anything that maybe looked like God? That was our second question. Now, I don't know exactly what Dr. Seuss believed about God. I'm told that he actually was a uh, Missouri Synod Lutheran, like his whole life. Um, so I could guess some things. There's no direct mention of God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit in any of his work that I'm aware of. But as followers of Jesus who have experienced God, where might we see God there? I can see God in the way the Who's respond. They have joy in the face of loss and persecution. The Grinch has stolen everything he thinks they need to be happy, hasn't he? Now, I don't know if you know the story of Job in the Bible, um, but what the Grinch has done to them is pretty similar to what the devil asked to do. Job, um, take everything away from Job, assuming that Job will give up on God, right? And yet somehow, miraculously, like Job, the Who's have something inside that endures, even when calamity strikes, and takes almost everything from them. Loss doesn't stop them from gathering and singing. I want you to hear a worship leader say that to you. Loss doesn't keep them from gathering together to sing. Their response surprises the Grinch, and it looks a lot like God's love. We get that described for us in 1 Corinthians 13. You've probably heard this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. 
It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That describes the character of God as well. God never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance for us. So the Hulus endure, even though so much has been taken from them. They still sing. And I see something of God happen as they sing. I don't know if you noticed it, but um, there is something special about when people gather and they do this. And I think that Dr. Seuss knows it, okay? Gathering together reminds us that um, we're not alone. Reminds us that we have a shared focus, right? Something larger than us holds us together here in this room. Did you notice that as they sing, a star appears among them in the center, and then it rises up into the sky? I see Jesus in that star. The Christmas story in the Bible, many of us would know this, right? A star appears in the sky. At the birth of Jesus, and the Magi are able to follow it all the way across a continent to find Jesus. Jesus is the true light of Christmas. And he said it himself in John chapter 8. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus said this about himself. This isn't us deciding this. He says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leaves that leads to life. If we follow Jesus, we won't have to walk in darkness. We'll have the light that leads to life. Jesus is the person, the only light, who can make things like what happened in that film happen. He makes it possible for us to hold on and even rejoice in the face of loss. I see it here every week, every month, every year. He makes deep change and transformed lives possible. I've seen it in me, and I see it here a whole lot. He shines through the people and shows the world that it's possible to lay down bitterness and hatred. It's possible to turn toward love instead. And it's possible to make things right when we've messed stuff up. The world needs to see it. Doesn't the world need to see it? Where else are they going to see it? If not us. Jesus is the center of the loving community that will last not only now, but forever. Jesus is the only one who's going to hold the deepest sense of community together for eternity. Christmas is good news. In Jesus, God has come for everyone. Those who love, those who hate, and those who are stuck. And God wants you and me and the whole world to know and be reminded. Romans 3 um, 22 says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. No matter who we are. So, go back and remember the answers that you had to those questions that I asked a little earlier. The places where you know a Grange or are a Grange. The places where um, you know someone who's stuck or are stuck. 
the places where you've seen loving community have been loving community. We're going to make a space to invite God into those places, okay? What we can do is we can bring those people and ourselves to Jesus, and then we can see what he's going to do. That's how this whole thing works. You bring it to Jesus, and then you see what he's going to do. I can't promise you that I know what that is going to be, but I have deep faith that if you bring those things and those people and yourself to Jesus, he will do good things. I'm betting everything on it. You're probably betting everything on it too, right? And if I'm being gracious, maybe Mariah Carey and George Michael aren't so wrong. I mean, Christmas with special people is great. It's better than getting stuff, right? But the greatest thing about Christmas is a gift, a particular one. It's the gift from God, and it is God himself. He gives himself to us. That's what Christmas is. He loves you so much, he's willing to give up all he had. He did not have to leave heaven and stop doing what he was doing. But he decides he's going to give it all up and become a baby. And he not only became a baby and experienced all those things that are so, I mean, that just come with being a human, he decides to give up his very own life for us, just like we talk about in communion, right? As a sacrifice for you and me, because he loves us. And he's alive today. It's not just somebody who did something once and isn't here to help us. He has life for us. He's the light that leads us into life today and forever. And so I was thinking about this. And when we say yes to God, I think we find, and you might have, find, have found as well, and the Grinch found, you know, you notice like when that heart thing happens and it like breaks the... Have you ever experienced, like, the real love of God, like, fitting into your small heart very neatly? Sometimes, and then it kind of blows it open, right? It's too big. God's life is designed to be too big for our heart. God's, God's love is uh, designed to expand us, okay? God's heart gives us strength to love in ways that surprise us. And they start surprising the people around us. That's what happens. Maybe we need more of that love today. That's probably why we come here every week, right? I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to have a chance to respond to God. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. Uh, prayer team people, every single prayer person who's trained and on this team, would you make yourself available uh, to pray? I think that just God wants to meet us. At the end of our services every week, we have... Uh, a place to do the thing that I was going to ask us to do last. The question, how does God want us to respond today? How does God maybe want you to respond today? And so I'm kind of building that into the tips, all right? The first tip is, this week, read John 8, 12. That's where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. It's the whole thing. Spend a little bit of time with that this week, okay? And then pray. This is the prayer where we ask God to expand hearts, okay? Think about those people in your life who are maybe um, sick because of envy, 
right now or people who need strength to change or people who really need a loving community and they don't have one. You might also want to think about where you are in need in those places and then pray and say, God, expand hearts. When you think about the person that you're thinking of, pray blessing over them. Um, I'm going to encourage you to even say, um, so-and-so, I bless you in Jesus' name to have your heart expanded to be filled with the love of God, okay? A prayer that's kind of like bold like that, and then see what happens. You can pray the same thing over yourself, you know? I open up my heart in Jesus' name to have my heart expanded by the love of God. Some of you are even doing that right now. I think the Lord's going to meet you in that, okay? And then the do is to simply live community today and then this week ahead. What does that mean? Celebrate together, survive loss together. These are things that we do when we gather, when we do life groups, when we gather on a Sunday morning. Isn't that what we're doing? We're celebrating and we're also getting through life together. We feast together like the Who's do, right? Christmas Day, we're going to be having a meal together. If you don't have a place to go or you're still making your plans, come and be together and let's feast together on Christmas morning. And then the other thing that we can do is what we're going to do right now as well, sing together. So if, uh, if you're not getting prayer, let's sing together. And uh, let's be reminded that we have a common, uh, a common thing, a common person uh, larger than us who binds us together and makes uh, this community the kind that can last forever.